the main crater exploded? Well, it, it was, you know, the one that you guys went up to? Yeah. Right there, you guys went into the park, right? And they have the museum? Yeah. It didn't, I mean, it wasn't in a lava explosion, but I think what happened is like, so the, that lava lake has, hasn't really dropped below 100 feet the past like uh, fucking years. You know what I mean? Like barely below 100, maybe. Yeah. Somewhere. <clears throat> it's basically been like a toilet bowl, and it's down, it's dropped down now to like 700 and some feet below the surface. So, whatever math that that would be, you know, 700 feet minus or times or whatever the diameter of that thing was like they flushed the fucking toilet and all that lava just went, you know? So now the now some of the walls of that crater are like cabin, like craving, like you know, fucking caving in. I mean, because it doesn't have that structural integrity, you know, of the lava or that pressure holding the walls of whatever that cavern is up. <clears throat> so it's they had some pretty big like rock falls and explosions and shit earlier today. Pretty cool. Everybody's okay. Yeah. It amazes me that it's like a big plume of like dust oh. it's because you know like shit has been falling off and dropped down into it then you have this mixture now you know like lava and dust and rock and whatever and <clears throat> so it's cool so for those of you guys who don't know uh there's been a bunch of lava explosions on josh's island <laughs> luckily not near me and this is not the reason why we're talking today but um so the reason why we're talking today is we've now, we launched USMC prep in October. And so we've had a good amount of time to kind of assess a lot of different questions and then also um, see a lot of issues and see a lot of the, some of the negativity that honestly that comes with it as well. And um, so I thought it was a good time to kind of sync back up with Josh and just have a, a candid conversation on, um, training mythology and, and thought process when it comes to specifically training for the military and kind of where state of the nation, if you will, the state of the nation of military readiness, physical fitness. Um, but as far as the Hawaii, like you're okay, your family's okay, everybody's fine on, on the island. Yeah, somehow as, you know, as of right now, you know, there's no, no reports that anybody, any persons themselves have you know, either been you know, hurt or lost of life, which is... Yeah, pretty remarkable. Yeah. How many earthquakes have you guys had? Uh, I don't know, man. One day it was like 400. Yeah, you call, the first day you called me, it was 400 earthquakes. Yeah. <clears throat> Crazy. That whole, I, that whole island's going to sink. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> This isn't like Armageddon or anything, man. It's just, you know, it's, it's earth, making new earth and creating new things. And, you know, unfortunately right now you got... You know, some homes and some people that are having to feel the wrath of it, but you know, yeah, worldly perspective and scientific, I think it's pretty pretty cool. <laughs> Nobody's hurt. All right, so man, it's been an awesome ride since last October when we launched these things. Uh, it's been it's been good it's and been it, beneficial for a lot of guys too that have gotten programs. So. The stories that yeah, the stories that we I, we've been hearing have been absolutely amazing. I mean, people dropping tons of weight. I mean, like whole people. Yeah, 
whole, like, absolutely whole people and going from, you know, not passing the IST to damn near after a couple of rotations, maxing out the PFT. Yeah. And, and healthy, like, yeah. Being able to like healthy read or rebound from it. Good, you know, for duration of time. So, uh, I guess I don't know where to kick it off, but like, where did, uh, where did this all, how did this all start? Um, well, probably some sort of angst, you know, an anguish, anger, you know, initially. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here, you know. <clears throat> I mean, like, like just taking a healthy look uh, at, you know, where younger individuals are today and then taking a look back at our past, you know, where we were maybe at that point in time. And then, you know, you start compounding off of that, you know, like knowledge and education and learning, you know, on all different platforms, whether it be the time that we served, you know, and whether it was the good, bad, and the ugly that came out of it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, things we've learned from like scientific or physiological perspective, biomechanical perspective, you know, and just kind of putting all that together and figuring out, okay, <clears throat> now that we've learned all that or understood all that from a personal perspective, um, what can we do about it? Like in a, in a positive way, how can we benefit others, you know, from learning from you know, ours and many other mistakes? Yeah, I, I can tell. I can tell you honestly, like when I was in, as hard as I trained, I did not train efficiently, no. and it was definitely not smart. I mean, it got the job done. Don't get me wrong; it got the job done, but at, yeah. at what cost? And, and that's, and, and I think that's like the biggest. The biggest thing that a lot of guys that are currently in right now uh, don't quite understand, or maybe they're not really realizing it like full spectrum, you know? Yeah. Is that the things that we did, obviously it got us through, you know, successfully in Excel, the boot camp, and, you know, all different various MOSs and then different types of selections or deployments and all that stuff, but it doesn't mean that it was, you know, optimal doesn't mean it was like properly effective for the human body. That's, right. That's really what we're, you know, trying to address. Now let's, so let's, let's start back. Let's like go back to, um, like, so let's look, let's start, start with a high schooler and what we've seen. So, so what really has happened, and I've talked about this on the channel before is I started getting hundreds of kids, um, messaging me saying, Hey, I want to join the Marine Corps, but you know, how do I train? What's some tips, tricks, some things, some, some, some sneaky ways to like make things happen. And so, you know, I, this became a trend. So I got with Josh and said, Hey man, we really need to like, let's come up with something really smart to offer offer as a solution to help these guys get ready for, for, for the military. And and that's really where the, the birth of this place, and this is what I was getting, and, and Josh, you and I talked about this. Yeah. I, I had typically had two things. Now now we've now that we've kind of broke these two things down, I get a lot more, but I was getting two things. Either a, a young man or woman was like grossly overweight um, and didn't meet the height and weight standards to even join the Marine Corps or take the IT, or any, any military branch. And they obviously couldn't pass the IST. So that was one thing. So it was an overweight individual that didn't have the strength, the stamina to, to pass the IST. Um, and then the, the other thing would have been 
um, was they were too skinny. And again, they were having a hard time. And that was me as, as a, as a young guy, I was a super skinny guy doing a, a gallon of milk a day, eating everything in my sight. And I just could not gain weight whatsoever, uh, which is definitely not the case anymore. But I was that guy. So there's other guys that just can't put on muscle and can't build the strength that they want to do that. They're just super, super skinny. So those are the two questions that we were getting. Um, and I think that, I don't think, I know that we've now, we've addressed, that was like the foundation of like, okay, this, here's the, here's the problem set, right? Here's the problem of, of, of what we, you know, what we have going on and kind of go from there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you were on the skinny side of the spectrum, like, I wasn't fat by no means, you know, but I was big and strong, but not like Marine Corps, you know, strong, like, not like military strong. You played, you played, uh, you played baseball, right? I played baseball and I played football for, you know, I mean, baseball my entire life since I was probably five. And then football, you know, I was that kid who was like, you know, too tall at 10, I would have been playing a 15 year old. So my mom was like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, you're going to not play until, until like middle school, you know, and then I was. Thanks. Thanks mom. <laughs> it, was, it was good. You know, I mean, whatever, you know, it, it, it you know, I, I was still hungry for it. So when I was middle school, she was like, fine, do whatever the hell you want, you know, cause you're going to do it anyways. So I was, I was big and I was strong. Yeah. And but it wasn't, it was like strong athletically for those given, you know, athletics that I was in at that point in time. Right. It wasn't like military, you know, strong. I wasn't doing 25 pull-ups, you know, I wasn't running, you know, an 18 minute mile. Right. Those weren't the metrics you were training for. No. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think that's where a lot of kids right now, which it's, it's no fault of their own, but that's, that's where their life is taking them right now. You know, they're in sports, they're in soccer, or wrestling, right. or football, or baseball. And that's what they're training for, and that's okay because high school is meant to do that. You know, like maintain athletics. You know, like be an athletic, you know, individual human being. But then, unfortunately, a lot of guys are going into boot camp, like I did, two months, you know, post high school. Uh, and for me, you know, baseball season is where I was. It drove me all the way until the end of high school and then into the summer. So I had like you know maybe a month. Um, so that's really what I try and remember, you know, when I talk to kids now is, you know, they're, they're in athletics and I would never want to take that away from them. You know, that's, it's good that they're doing that. Um, but they need to start wrapping their brain and their mindset around, okay, once athletics is over with, my high school is done. If I'm going to sign this paper, you know, for a guaranteed, you know, for a four year career, you better start striving to be just as good physically. At right. That career you're about to endeavor on as much as you try to be the best, you know, soccer player, you know, baseball player, football player, whatever sport it may be. And, and this is where, this is where it comes down to our training is this is, and this is where it comes down to our training is that so this is where it kind of comes down to our training is is you know our training is built for that PFT and built for the swim call and built for rucking and that sort of thing. So it's it's yeah. it's to meet those specific requirements because I don't think people realize when you're coming in on the initial level how important those scores are to your rest of your career. 
Like if you come out and you shit the bed right out the gate, I mean, we're talking about promotions. We're talking about job field. We're talking about where you're going to go, what platoon you're going to be in. You're like, I, I talked to a kid um, within the last couple of weeks. I, I talked to a kid who, who had purchased the program, completed the program, you know, gone to boot camp. And he, he texted me like literally, you know, the day after he was graduating from boot camp and, you know, and he was promoted meritorious, you know, PFC. And because he was, you know, in the top whatever percentile of his of his platoon, and he was one of the select few that got, you know, a meritorious promotion to you know, to PFC. And and then, and that's huge. You know, you're right. you're already now a couple months ahead, ahead of everybody else. Structure goes. And, yeah. And uh, you know, a couple guys I've talked to, you know, they're they got the program, they went through boot camp, and then something, you know, their time frame was delayed, you know, to start SOI, which is, you know, their infantry basic training. And I talked to them, and we, you know, kind of compressed the program a little bit. So as soon as they were done with boot camp, you know, they started some of that stuff as an intermediate phase going into SOI. Right. Now, he would have done that, and he would have just, you know, sat on his ass and waited till SOI came around and said, oh, well, you know, I'll get in whatever shape I need to, I wouldn't have received the next message, which was good thing I did that because I maintained physical shape. I now have the ability and I'm going to go take the recon in dock because I meet the standards. Yeah. Uh, so now he's able to make it to that next level. Right. Instead of just, and this is what drives me crazy. I mean, you saw like, you saw the video of me like getting frustrated with all the silly comments that are, and like yeah. the bare minimum shit, like, and for us, it's hard to understand because, you know, I, I was, I, I did, I was a part of Force Recon. I was at Recon Battalion. I was a, a Marine Raider. And, you know, you had the same, same accolades. And to get to that level, you don't do the bare minimum shit. Like, you have to apply yourself. You're like, you don't even have the mentality. It's, it's not even a factor in that brain, you know? And so, like, the, to read this, and this is what they say, like, I, you know, and you see it too. It's like, well, you're just going to, oh, you don't need this program. You just need to go, if you, you, you're going to get better at pull-ups, just do more pull-ups. Just, and then somebody says, and then somebody said, run, you just need to run until you puke and then run some more. And then that afternoon, do it, repeat again. Get hard. You know? Just get tough, dude. Just get hard. I'm like, and I, I just want to like comment like, yeah, that's how professional athletes train. Yeah. That's exactly. They just run until they puke, and then and then do it again. Yeah, and and they just do the only one thing that they're supposed to not do. Like it, it's, it's it's preposterous. Man. It really and, it, and it, it, it the sad part about it is that some of those comments come from guys you know that are currently you know, yeah in the military, and you know I I don't even want to direct like another negative attack after they just made a negative comment. Really, what I'd like to do is just get them to twist their thought process a little bit, and really kind of just reread that comment. Or if you're the individual that thinks like that, you know, make that comment to yourself, and then start thinking about how like realistic that is right. for, for reach your next level or next attainable goal. Right. You know, what I mean that. I mean, really take that thought perspective. Take those words, you know, that you might be thinking or saying. And is it really realistic? No, it's not. I mean, it just isn't. I I think you're doing. I think you're doing. We're doing 
the youth of this generation a disservice by just uh, like even recommending that they do the bare minimum. And I know that you and I talk about this a lot is even after training, like what can I do to better myself in the military? And I'm like, well, when everybody, let's be honest, when everybody else, when you go to SOI or MCT right here down the street and they're all going to Toby's and dropping all their money on some, you know, single mom, you know, at, at, at Toby's, like, don't, don't do it. Stay like, go to the gym. I know you got time. Go to the gym, like read a book, like learn a language, do something that's going to benefit you. Like you're young, you have the time to invest in yourself. And yeah. instead of just going out and getting the next you smock tattoo, <laughs> you know what I mean? which, which I did, we both did. Do that, have fun, enjoy that process, but do it in moderation. You yeah. Know, like, don't do it from a Wednesday until Sunday perspective, you know, and then try and just charge through everything. You know? I mean, that, it's a, it's a career. And if you ever want to advance yourself in that career platform, you know, you need to put in the work. It's know? just like anything else. You get out what you put in, right? I mean, I take that from you all the time. Like you get, you 100% get out what you put in. And that's the, and then when Josh talks about that, I mean, I say that, like when it comes down to training, like as far as power and, and getting, getting out what you're, what you're putting in, explain that mythology. I mean, I, I try to explain it. It sounds a lot better in my brain sometimes than when I put it to words. But, um, you know, so you have a given training program. You know, so say someone's utilizing it, you know, some secret program or whatever it may be, right? The program is as good as the program is. You know, that, that's the scientific aspect of the program. Now, the work input and the direct output which you'll receive is, is the onus is on the individual. You know, like now you have to put in that hard work and that and that that dedication, you know, to it. You can't just go through the motions and expect that since you completed, you know, the prescribed stuff that's in the program, you know, you're going to reap the benefits on the backside. That's that's not it. You know, you got to put forth the intensity. You got to put forth the drive. You know, if you can't just walk through. It, See, you know I mean? so so what he's yeah, what you, what you're saying is. And I and I we've talked about this so much, so I, I pick it up. But it's like every pull up needs to be powerful, squeeze, intense. Every like yeah. if we don't do we don't do box jumps really, but every, if you were gonna do a box jump, then it needs to be yeah. like every all of your force and movement in that one yeah. rep. Instead of just like going through the workout. Make each movement, make each each exercise its own exercise, its yeah, own. The driving intensity, you know, isn't screaming and barreling and throwing weights and like chucking them down and like that. Like that's not the intensity. If you have all that energy and all that intensity, you're not like, slam and throw the bar down. I mean, use that in a purposeful action throughout the motion right. of that exercise. You know, use that drive, contract the right so, muscles. So like when we were talking about push-ups, like your glutes is engaged, your core is engaged, your back is engaged, and then you push up and you engage the yeah. chest. That's a push-up. That's what we're talking about intensity and getting out what you put in. Instead of just flailing around and <laughs> just... <laughs> which, which we've seen that, yeah. Thousands of push-ups. I probably did thinking that you know I was I was doing it properly because I was you know intense and I was driving and I was just performing a rep, man. And then when someone 
you know, sat me down, pulled me aside and was like, okay, that sounds great, but listen here, this is what you need to be doing. You know, you need to be, you know, contracting this, driving this, you know, flexing this, pushing with this, pressing with that. I, doing 10 of them was exhausting. Like, I, I, those 10 was probably replicated to what the previous 100 would have been, you know, if I wasn't, you know, actuating all the right stuff in the proper, you know, mechanical function. Yeah. So, so on that, so our, so the program that we we've done, we've specifically focused, and I've mentioned this before, we specifically focus on the requirements and building those. So a lot of, so we started out with, we started out with, I'm overweight, I'm underweight. Okay, we've 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 figured that portion out. the 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 overweight thing is a diet is a diet issue, um, which I'll probably talk about on another another date. But we do is if you're in the group. If you buy the program and you're in the group, we do work with those guys kind of one-on-one -on -one, um, to help them out. Uh, but when it comes down to the requirements, we but talk about like our protocols. Like instead of just saying, if you want to do push-ups, do push-ups. If you want to do, if you want to get better at pull-ups, do pull-ups. You want to get better at running, just run until you puke and then run some more. And that's not the way this training is built. Like let's talk a little bit about like the protocols and the mythology behind you know, doing those things. It's basically like just, it's, it's reverse engineered. Like any thing you want to be able to dissect properly and figure out properly, um, essentially it's reverse engineered for uh, either max time, i.e. meaning like, you know, the, the fastest amount of time right. or the most reps for you know the, the highest direct output of points replicated to your, your uh, PFT or CFT, and then it's broken. You know, it's broken down you know into into reps, into a rest iteration as well. Right. So with that, you know, uh, with the intensity that you you know you were just talking about, you know, in, input into all of the reps that you're doing, whether it be push-ups or pull-ups uh, or crunches, then there's a rest iteration that's built into that too. Rest iteration, you know, allows for your body, you know, to. You know. Good morning, guys. So, I was on live Instagram yesterday, and somebody said it was an active shooter at YouTube, and of course, I was like, "What the heck?" And as you guys know, as of April first, they've Google and YouTube changed their their gun rules, uh, which are still kind of not a hundred percent clear. I'm still trying to figure that out. I guess you can't put guns together and take guns apart. But nonetheless, a horrible thing happened. A woman went and uh, basically shot four people. So I wanted to, a good friend of mine, uh, former Marine, and you say former Marine? We don't say former, we don't say former Marine, we say Marine. I don't know. Sure. I don't know what the rules are. Everybody has a rule except for Marines who Marines just say whatever. Um, but anyway, Brian Bishop, thanks. Uh, you're in San Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in San Francisco right now, uh, working on my industrial design degree. And you didn't hear about this until uh, we texted you because I wanted to make sure that everything was okay. Yeah, I was here working on homework. Yeah. He's down to the grindstone, and uh, I got a text, and he, yeah, you okay? What's going on? I was like, what are you talking about? And I had to jump on the news and find out what was going on. But, and you had uh, some, and you had some other people start hitting you up too, right? Yeah, a few other of my friends and family were like, "Hey, are you okay? Is what's going on there? Is the city locked down? What's going on?" And and uh, everything was fine. They didn't lock the city down. Uh, San Bruno is south of 
south of the city where I'm at. I'm like actually at the northern tip of uh, San Francisco, right next to the Golden Gate Bridge. So I was pretty far removed from the incident. So from so from yesterday today, what have you heard? Like what happened? I mean, I've I've heard some like I've read some things, but like what what actually transpired? So. From what I gathered, I just jumped on open source, looked at all of the main news agencies and tried to get what information I could because when you guys texted me, it was like within an hour and a half of the incident. Yeah. So, you know, when something like that happens, there's, you know, it's fog of war. So, you know, people, the information you get is spotty at best. So the, the information was kind of. I didn't take anything too seriously that I was getting an hour and a half after the shooting on open source. But uh, basically what happened is there was a woman and the current story is she was disgruntled about the fact that she was an animal rights activist. She was very disgruntled that YouTube was uh, filtering her her channel and not allowing you know certain content to go out. And so she thought her best course of action was to drive up to YouTube headquarters and shoot people. So that's strange because I also heard that it was a it was a ex girlfriend of somebody that also worked there. So who knows? So yeah, there was a, there was a report on CNN that she knew one of the victims, but they did not elaborate at all. Now exactly. there were four vic there was four people that got they got injured, right? But nobody actually. So three, so she's included in the four. Oh, okay. She took her own life. So she shot three people and then she killed herself. So there was three wounded and one fatality and she was the fatality. Well, that's, I mean, it sucks that three people had to get shot over somebody's just stupidness and, and them being evil, in my opinion. Um, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, they're okay or they're going to be okay. Yeah, one's listed in critical condition, but has a favorable outcome or favorable yeah. prognosis is what the what I read this on is, CNN. This is what makes like not to make light of the situation or anything, but this is what what blows my mind is that here we are like gun control is a huge debate. You got kids that are uneducated marching for their lives, and here you are in the probably the most like strict state that there is um, for gun control, yet this happens at YouTube headquarters. Yeah, so to touch on that, um, yeah, California does have the strictest gun regulations in the country. Everything's illegal here. High capacity magazines are illegal. Can't conceal carry, you can't open carry. Um, you know, no assault weapons of any type are legal here. Even so certain, even certain Glocks. I think Glock 43s are not allowed there. Yeah, right? they have really, really strange laws. So when I was on active duty here down at Camp Pendleton, uh, you know, I got a Christmas gift, and it was a, it was a Kimber Desert Warrior 1911, and uh, it was. Uh, I had a friend of mine that worked at a local gun shop and I, you know, we went out to the range and we were shooting and he's like, you know, your gun's illegal here, right? And I said, no, this is, I go, it's a, it's a single stack 1911. It's eight round magazine, you know? And I said, why? I, they sell 1911s at the gun shop here. And he said, well, that particular model is illegal because it's a different color because it was the desert tan. It was a flat, dark earth. 
So he said that because it's a different color, California considers that a, a different model and Kimber refused to pay for the safety testing that California requires. So that pistol, because it's a different color, is not allowed to be sold here in California and technically it's illegal. That's how cuckoo the gun laws are. So out here. but nonetheless, they have the highest restrictions in 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 the country, um, which is what people are wanting, right? That's what they're they're wanting for more gun control, which California I think has I mean, California has the highest. I mean, I would say that California probably has what everybody kind of wants. Right. Um, yet this kind of thing I mean, happens. Yeah, should I have, should I have an out, outright ban on every gun, like, which yeah. people are pushing for now? Like, they just want all guns banned and illegal. Um, this, it, just, it just goes back to it that, like, it's not a gun issue. It's not a law issue. It is a people issue. Right. Right. It's a, it's a mental... When I, when I posted that last video, uh, it was awesome to see there were people commenting from Mexico, Canada, Australia, and they were saying, like, we have those laws here, yet people still do horrible, horrible things. And then one in Canada said, you know, here's the laws. He, he laid out the laws and he said, you know, we're told that, you know, you just call 911. Somebody had broken into a female's house and she was like, she had to wrestle with them and then she called 911. And it took two hours for the for the cops to show up. So it's like, why would like everybody external? This is not Americans. These are like people right. in South Africa, Australia, Canada, and Mexico were the big ones that I saw, and they were all like, "Do not wait, do not put your trust and your own personal safety in someone else. Take control of your own self and be responsible for your own safety because um, yeah, no one's coming to save you, you know." Yeah, and that's a big misconception when I run into a lot of people that have a, an anti-gun stance. They live in this fantasy land where they think that their, sa they, their, their safety is somebody else's responsibility. And I always have to stop them and correct them and say, no, your safety is your responsibility. Right. Your responsibility. Yeah, 100%. Correct. Yeah. It's just – it's like so funny because they're like they're, – they're frustrated. It's not funny. It's sad. They're frustrated with the government because they're not – doing certain things but then in turn they want to yell at the government to take the change the rules so that they can then in turn put this their responsibility and safety in the persons that they the hands they don't trust right what right yeah my other favorite comment was from your earlier video where you said you're confused about why people are using their constitutional rights to take away their other constitutional rights you're using your freedom to take away other freedoms and I, I thought that was ironic and pretty pretty spot on and funny but it just um, I, it just it blows my mind that like this just more I mean obviously I know it's gonna happen YouTube unfortunately is gonna like they're gonna go like you yeah, know they're gonna go red star go. cluster I mean the tactical Tuesday is over gun channels are probably over like this is done you know what I mean? Like, I don't even know like how much longer that just because I'm military and we talk about guns, I don't even know how longer this channel is going to last. Right. Which sucks. But I mean, there people are going to go high into the right on on these issues, but they're not going to look at the fact that okay, California has the highest strict gun laws. They're they're it's over the top on everything. Everybody that lives in California that is a normal thinking person's like this state is crazy, you know. And I love California. I like going there. I can't live there because of the way things are and the way that I like to live as an American. Um, 
but they're going to overlook the fact that all the strict rules, yet this happens right there. And it has nothing to do with guns. It has nothing to do with anything. It's because that woman was fucked up in the head. She was evil and she wanted to hurt people to, to make, to make protect a point. Animals. To protect animals. You know what that is? What, what is the definition of terrorism? Your aggression to uh, further your political agenda. Yeah, basically. for, you know, to use whatever means to, to cause fear and, 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 and panic and to, for, to further your political agenda. Yeah, I think that the exact definition is like using fear and threat of violence to further your political agenda or your ideology. Your ideology. So th that's what this woman, I, and I don't know anything about this woman or what her background is or what she is, but the fact that you would go shoot up innocent civilians that are just like going about their day. I mean, it's fucking YouTube for crying out loud. They're like, you know, production people and creators and they're just cre over there creating content about God knows what. Well, I think, I mean, if you look at it for face value, which a lot of Americans are going to, sure, maybe it was a crazy, disgruntled, mentally disturbed woman, or let's not forget the fact that she is from Middle Eastern descent. Was she? And, yeah. Yeah, her name is like uh, Nassim something or other, Afghani or something like no, that. Geez. I don't know. I'd have to look it up again. She's from she's Middle Eastern descent, has a Middle Eastern name, and I'm sure I'm gonna take some heat for racial profiling here. But well, uh, the profiling is a thing. The FBI has been using it for years. I mean, it's a, there's a, it's a thing because it works. You right. and I, you and I know from our experience when we're overseas deployed, we we profile not just racially profile, but we profile because it's a threat assessment that we use to protect ourselves and protect the ones around us. And guess what? It it works. Almost every time that we have a certain profile of an individual, right. we're usually right. Right. So for the record, I'm not a racist. However, comma, uh, she was Middle Eastern descent heritage. I know that. How do we know this isn't an ISIS black op? Yeah, yeah. I mean, not to get too crazy down the conspiracy theory hole, but radicalized and they used a platform of animal cruelty to mask the fact that it could be linked back to their organization. I mean, you got to look at like if you look at you know you look at asymmetrical warfare, right? I mean, on the on the flip side of it, if we were doing something in that in those line of term, you know, in that in that vein, would you and I not? kind of do the same thing, motivate and motivate individuals and motivate people to I think, both, I think we've both done that. That's how yeah. I'm able to identify. Yeah. Like look at a lot deeper, you know, people on the onion back and look at this a lot deeper and say, Hey, is it a, is it a possibility a that that tactic is being used here? Right. It's a very old tactic. They've been using it for thousands and thousands of years. Well, human right. beings have been using that tactic for thousands, thousands of years to do something. But I think I think it's a possibility. I know everybody here is going to start going. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, situation from from you know a potential terrorist perspective, they see the internal chaos that's going on surrounding guns right now. So how do they contribute to that? Right. Oh, well, let's activate one how do ourselves. We, how do we poke the fire to get this agenda to happen? Yeah. How do we stoke this fire a little bit more? How do we spray 
gas all over this fire and how then do we camouflage it so that it doesn't trace back to us well and now and you know it's it's crazy in a time that it, things are so volatile instead of coming together right instead of coming together and being a unified nation to protect our nation and to protect right. the ones that are in it right i mean we're just getting pulled apart right so like let's 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 just pull america apart from the in from the inside and then now what are we now we're divided and we're it's divided strategy then yeah it's a long it's a long game now we're divided yeah. and that just makes us that much vulnerable for everything right and and the, and the thing is is like i've learned from a long time ago that this is the woman oh no kidding oh yeah she's completely that's 100 percent. yeah i didn't know that yeah sold yeah all right, so um, you know, I learned from. I think I, I don't know if it was probably the, being in the military, young, being you know young, but you know, the saying of you know those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it. Right. And you start looking. You start looking at like, okay, a country has uh, arms, right? You disarm them. What happens next? And then what happens next? I mean, this has all been done in multiple countries over generations of time. You know, it's a very, very scary thought because this, this is nothing new. Just because it's 2018 doesn't mean this hasn't been done before. I mean, we're talking, you know, multiple countries and, and multiple different, you know, errors of time dating back thousands of years ago that this is this situation that we're in right now is a real thing. Um, right. Well, I just there's there's other facets too that that just leave me shaking my head where. If you get on the FBI site and you look at their statistics, in 2015, I think was the last time they updated their crime stats. I was just looking at this the other day. In 2015, there was like 9,100 and some odd gun deaths in the yeah. United States. But then if you look at vehicle death numbers, it's 40,000. Oh, I, yeah, I know. I, I so, think I think that uh, I didn't I didn't know the stats when we looked it up when we did our last video, but. Uh, Somebody posted the CDC on a, from a CDC website, a link, and it was something like over five, like how many guns have actually saved people? It was over 500,000. Right. Nobody's talking about that. No, they don't want to talk about that. <laughs> it puts a hole in their whole, their whole argument. Yeah, it sure does. So it also puts a huge hole in their argument when active shooter stuff's happening and a place where they've got the highest level of gun control in the country. Yeah, I mean, you gun look at... Gun control does not work. Yeah, right. And, and that's the thing is, is, you know, you look at what? Chicago, New York, right? LA, California, you know, like some of the some of the most dangerous places in our... You know, I feel some of those cities and some of those boroughs in those cities are more dangerous than places I were in Iraq and Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. You know what I mean? I it's like... I don't want to name name. I don't want to. I don't want to name city, certain boroughs and cities, but you know that I'm talk, what I'm talking about. That I couldn't go walk in those neighborhoods and be safe. Yeah. You know. Yeah. There's there's neighborhoods like that here and down in L.A., Oakland. Yeah. That it would be a good idea. And guess what? You won right. gun control in those areas. Right. You won. Yeah. Strangely enough, there's fucking guns everywhere. The only right. people that, the only people that don't have guns are law-abiding citizens that are good guys that have the ability to save somebody if that's the case. 
Yeah, and I just think the the knee jerk reaction in this whole political agenda, you know, of people maybe there's people out there that are on the fence and they're like, oh well, is gun control a good idea? I don't know. My thing is like instead of just jumping straight to gun control, why haven't other measures been instituted? Like, you know, let's let's take schools for example, since they're the most like heavily targeted by shooters. What kind of security protocols are in place? Do you have ballistic film on your windows? Do you have armed security? Do you have a canine? How how well have you coordinated with the local law enforcement? What's their response time to the school? You know, have you do you have a, a system in place where you can communicate with all the students via cell phone? Like, can you send well, out a burst text? So, yeah. So, for instance, my kids' school, my kids' high school, they are allowed to have their their cell phones, but they don't have like a record of their cell phone numbers to send a mass update text to everybody. My daughter's my daughter's school, my well, my youngest daughter, my, she's in middle school. They're not allowed to have their phones. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. You're going to have your phone because I want to get a hold of you. If something goes down, I need to have access to you and to, so I can right. communicate with you. Um, and I think that should be, and I understand like you don't want it to be a distraction, but I mean, it's 2018. We can use this as like a, as a, like you just note, like a mass notification that, hey, and I, know, I think there are some colleges now. I think Virginia Tech now has a mass notification for their students, right. um, but it really should be, across the board that's something that schools should just have um especially in the you know we're in the cell phone generation so why not use these tools to help notify and protect ourselves especially yeah, when, you know i have kids in the same situation trauma management yeah you know when was, when was when they, schools do fire drills all the time and there's fire extinguishers everywhere when was the last time a school burned down well why is there not that's why is there not trauma management gear co-located with why isn't there a litter and bleeder kits co-located with all the fire extinguishers, and why are there not teachers that are trained in TCCC within a, the within the school? That's a great analogy, man. Because I always, I have actually used that before. It's like when you hear a fire alarm go off, do you freak out and get scared? No, because you've how many fire drills have we been through? We're like, right. okay, there's a fire, the school's burning down. I, we know exactly what to do. We know where the exits are. We know where to collect. We know where the meeting area, the assembly area is. We know where to get roll call. Why? Because we've trained to a fire drill. Okay, well, this, there's no difference. It's the yeah, same no situation. It's just a training and a drill that you put your students through. And guess what? When they hear that certain buzzer, they react and they know exactly what to do and how to react. But again, let's just be afraid. Let's, right. just, let's just react yeah yeah i think that there's a lot of steps and measures that we can take and improve on instead of just jumping to let's ban guns guns are the problem and you I know mean, what uh, it's on the example in my hometown where i grew up in wyoming a few years back there was a 17 year old kid he was disgruntled with his father and his stepmother uh, they were both professors at the, at the local college and he went to try and get a gun, couldn't get one cause he was 17. So he took his Bowie knife and his compound bow and he waited for his stepmother to get home from work and he murdered her with his Bowie knife, stabbed her to death. Then he went to the college campus, went into his dad's classroom, shot him in the head with his compound bow. His father didn't die right away, survived. They got into a, uh, you know, kind of a hand-to-hand -hand combative situation, and the kid ended up, you know, finishing his dad off with a knife. Then 
slit his own throat and killed himself. And my friends were the, you know, that work on the police force and the fire department there were the first responders and showed up, showed up for that incident. Uh, there's been, you know, like you were mentioning earlier with all these other countries, there was a, something that went down in China a few years back where a mentally disturbed person, a guy went into a school and killed 30 children with a knife before somebody stopped it. So, I mean, that was awful. Yeah, it's it with with mental illness, they're going to find a way to do things. They're going to find a way to get it done. They're going to build bombs. They're going to take cars and drive them into, you know, they're going to run over people. They're going to take knives, you know, swords, whatever, you know. Yeah, whatever it, it comes down to there's there's no there's unfortunately as much as like you and I and, and people like watching, they think that like I'm something they, they're like, oh, you're a badass and you're this. And it's like, no, dude, really, I'm a teddy bear. Like, I don't want to fight anybody anymore. Like, I've had my days. I just want to, like, go surf and hang out with my kids and, like, give everybody hugs. I mean, I tell I tell Brian that I love him all the time. Like, dude, I'm all about peace, love, and happiness. You know, oh, yeah. I just refuse to be a victim. And the fact is, like, I don't want any of this. However, I will not stand up for evil. I, you know what I mean? Like, I will not stand for evil people. And there is evil in this world, and that's what it comes down to is, like, I will not allow myself or the people around me to be a victim. And... No way, no matter what law or no matter what you do in this world, there will be evil people. Yeah, you're not going to get away from that. You're not going to, you're not going to fix evil. There's always going to be evil and there's always going to be good and there's always going to be the pull between the two. Right. Yeah. And disarming the good guys is not the way to no, get things you done. No, you don't, you don't tie the, you don't tie the good guy, the good up so that evil can run free. You empower the good so that we can fucking crush evil people. Right. Yeah. And then I can go hug my loved ones. Right. Yeah. Anyways. When minutes count, or when seconds count, the cops are only minutes away. People forget that all the time. I mean, that's just like every case study and everything. I mean, I, we've stu I've studied this stuff for years. It's like every single time, you know, you do a study, it's like 12 minutes. Great. Right. The quickest, 12 minutes. And then active shooter scenarios are over in two. Sorry, you're about 10 minutes late, buddy. Right. So. I just want to say something like, but that's not necessarily, but because I just looked at the. Ms. Like, Capper's paying attention. Well, nobody's talking about what gun she used because it's not an AR-15. So, like, they, it's not, nobody's really, like, pumping what gun it is. And I just like had to dig to find out, and literally it says on it everything: a woman in a headscarf with a big, huge pistol. Oh, so big, huge pistol! Whether she was actually like connected to a terrorist group or whatever, she it sounds like used that. The fact that she she could walk in with a headscarf and and conceal a pistol, and nobody would mess with her because she just looked like a meek Muslim woman, and she unloaded on everybody from under her her headscarf. So like she used that tactic whether she was connected or not and that's scary to me. She used it to, because they knew that because it was so politically what's the word? Incorrect. Politically incorrect to racially, Pro, to racially profile her. She knew that she'd have that, you know access because nobody would be like oh, I don't want to touch that or I don't want to racially profile. It was smart, smart tactic. I mean, they they were using women like that. The guys would dress up as women 
and be pregnant. And I mean, that's a tactic that we had to deal with in, in Iraq and Afghanistan. Ugh. Anyways, well, Brian, thanks, man. Uh, you know, I just hope that you guys use your brain. Think about this. You know what I mean? Don't jump. Don't do the, uh, what was it? The, uh, the office jump to conclusions game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's a smarter way forward. I think there's a lot of measures that you can take instead of just jumping straight to let's ban guns. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Let's, let's stop being divided and let's like, I don't know, come together and, and like, because the thing is like the more that we, divide the more that we're vulnerable on every single different level I and mean, it comes down to you know internal attacks our economy i mean a million different things and uh it's it's not good for our nation it's not good for our people and uh that's i mean that's what happened democracy democracy let's go let's let's, let's talk about things right you know, yeah everybody's got their favorite little club whether they're on the right or left and frankly the whole thing is is very disappointing to see the polarization that's happened in our country right now. Like I'm a very middle of the road person. Same, There's same me. People, people, people like look, watch this channel and they think yeah. that like I'm one way because of my background and because of the thing, you know, because I am, you know, I guess you could say a gun enthusiast um, right. or I have a long history with, with firearms because of, you know, my profession, but they think that I'm totally like right wing or anything. It's not actually the case. I'm really like, I think that most military guys and especially guys that have worked in the special operations, we are right, right down the middle, one hundred percent. Like, like there is like there's a lot of shades of gray, man. You right, know? for sure. Like, there's things that I'm liberal about, and there's things that I'm conservative about. You know, right. and and I think that's a good way to be. And I'm disappointed that most Americans can't, you know, do the same. And I think when you boil everything down, whether you're on the right or left, everybody kind of wants the same things. But for some reason, we always want to run to our little respective side of the fence when we feel uncomfortable or we're put in a situation where we have right. to discuss something or have a conversation that's outside our comfort zone. We want to immediately jump to our, you know, go to, go to our political, you know, rely on our political stance. And I, I just think that it's, it's just disappointing. I yeah. think, you know, Americans need to, you know, be Americans, not Republicans, right. not Democrats, exactly. not libertarians, like right. Americans. What's best? What's best for the the good guys, the good, and and, and know that there, this is not a this is not a, you know, it's not a gun control thing. It's not a law thing. It's really about good versus evil, and right. who are we gonna who are we as America gonna allow to win, the evil doers, you know, or people that are, we're trying to live this live in this country free of terrorism, and like. The reasons why this country was built <laughs> you know all right brother well i miss you and i love you and uh you. i can't wait to see you man okay well i'll see you guys next month for the climate or this is this month we'll see this that, month this month just a few weeks in, in a couple weeks just don't miss that plane right. ride yep all right hey thanks for thanks for having me on man i appreciate it it was good talk yeah allison thank you all right. You're welcome, man. <laughs> All right, bro. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Have a good one, man. Bye. That was long, I know, and we did the other one last time, but, you know, I wanted to address my personal thoughts with that, and I wanted to have, you know, have a, a candid chat with Brian. Um, 
a little bit of his about his background. He was a Marine. He got out, did contracting, worked in the special operations world for a little while, and um, did very well for himself. And uh, he's a good friend. And one of those guys that I talk about, one of those guys like we were talking about, that's just not hardcore left and not hardcore right, just really in the middle of the road, and um, is all about America. And this is what he's fought for for so long. Um, and his time is done, and now he's working on himself and going to school. Uh, but you know, guys that have done what we've done, kind of have a, a big appreciation for America, and we just want it to go in the right direction. We want people to come together because this is what we've done. We we served America for. Um, yeah, you guys know the deal. Never quit, never surrender. If you like this, like it, share it with your friend. Maybe it'll illuminate somebody. Maybe it'll educate someone. Uh, and if you're not subscribed, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. All right, we'll see you guys in the next video. to the streets this past weekend to protest gun violence. Organizers of the student-led March for Our Lives rallies are calling it the start of a movement and a wake-up call for Congress ahead of this year's midterm elections. for every person in power, and it will stay that way. Many other Americans do not support a gun ban. They, too, want to prevent mass shootings, but view banning guns as an infringement on the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding citizens that ultimately will not prevent Hey guys, so on this Tactical Tuesday, I want to have a candid conversation about kind of what's been going on in the world with these marches and um, the new YouTube policy, which obviously will affect a lot of channels and a lot of different companies. Um, and it'll affect Tactical Tuesday as well. We wanted to talk about the march and what they're actually marching for. And essentially they're marching for gun control, right? I mean, they, they're wanting, they're marching for lives to be saved is what they're calling it. But what they're, the group is, is an activist group for the gun control movement. What do they want? They want gun control. And the biggest thing is that. I think some of them. What does gun control mean to them? Right, it's, it's all different things. I've seen different different protests. Some people. Like, are just I'm pretty sure we have gun control. <laughs> well, I'm an FFL, and uh, nobody can just roll up in here and buy a gun. This goes back to one. It's amazing to me that there's a group of individuals out there marching using their right to for freedom of speech to take their own freedoms away well let's say okay first of all first things first i'm all for the first amendment people being able to express their absolutely opinions. like this is what i serve for getting kids to come together on anything and make a stance and get out of their house on the weekend and like get out in the street and say what they they believe in like that's a great thing and that's what our country is all about. So first things first, like I'm completely for that. You carried one forever. So and you've trained, you've trained me, you've trained hundreds of people that we know, thousands probably. Well, not one of Mark 32. No, but with assault yeah. rifles, with weapons. 
that of that caliber. So what would you say, like, to the people who are saying there is absolutely no reason why a normal citizen should carry a assault rifle? Well, without, I mean, honestly, without, this is absolutely horrible, and without actually going into, like, the conspiracy stuff and the country, I mean, there's a reason why that we have the the right to bear arms, right? And our founding fathers, you know, basically freed us from tyranny and, you know, made us our independent country. And they felt the effects of being governed by a government that didn't really support them, right? And then that the government got so strong that it was like, I mean, at what point do you turn into like North Korea or China or, you know, what other country? When do we, how long does it become a free country? And what I'm very, very afraid of is, I mean, this is awful, the awful thought that the direction that things are going, and I do feel like it's going that way, that the government will try to disarm America because of the, like, because of the, the way things are laying out and like, Media coverage of specific, oh absolutely one hundred percent media like and and again like we were talking about the other day like we're not talking about like obesity in America we're not talking like stuff that's really killing people like on a on a gross level I mean the America's food um, our school systems education our lunches in school I mean these are to me these are real problems and but we're not fo- like that's okay you know the fact that. You know, eight out of ten kids in, in elementary school, and this is my own, this is my own, like, I sat in an auditorium watching my daughter's middle school class walk in, and eight out of ten of them were obese. Middle school, we're talking fifth grade to kindergarten. Let's not talk about that, we just want to talk about guns, which is such a small fraction of, of incidents. Granted, when something happens, it's big in the news, but, you know... We're not talking about how many kids are overweight and they're going to die, you know, at a young age because they can't even walk up a flight of stairs. They can't breathe. I mean, that's like we're just poisoning our youth. Nobody wants to talk about well, that. Well, they can't talk about that because the people that are funding all of their Right. Programs. The government is part of a part of funding, the, you know, those, you know, those programs and the food pyramid and all that. I get that. But what's so scary is the direction that the media is pushing this gun stuff is... Like, I feel like if it ever comes to fruition, which it probably is going to, I mean, if you try to disarm America, you're going to have a fight on your hands. And that's the exact reason why the Second Amendment is the way it is, is so that the government can't do that. I mean, they are to serve the people of America. That is their job, to serve the people of America. And um, as that's why we're all voters. And... I mean, we're going to be back like that potentially. I, I, I'm not a conspiracist. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a crazy person, but like, it would be absolutely awful for something to go down to where now you've got essentially a civil war in your hands again, where Americans are killing Americans, or Americans are fighting Americans. That is absolutely horrific thought. Okay. Furthermore, like we've had this conversation, you know, a handful of times. Like if. If, as a country, what is the percentage of the military? Do you know how many are in the military currently? Uh, last, I think the last report, the last report that I did was 0.4% of the U.S. population, which is like last, maybe 333 million is the last thing I saw. Three, three out of 333 million, 0.4% so we're talking about, or will serve. We're talking about 0.4% of our nation 
protecting the rest. Essentially, yes. So if something yeah. outside, God forbid, were to happen. If you're talking about like the, you know, like we uphold the Constitution and, you know, the whole, like the purpose of the military, then yes. So, and then at what point do, do we as just citizens around, because I can tell you straight up, if, if, the, if the government is in charge of all these programs, that essentially are failing. Fuck the post office can't get the packages out. <laughs> If, if we if we don't have, if everything is completely under government control and then we're at the position of their mercy, okay, so we're being attacked or this is happening and as law-abiding citizens, we gave in all of our guns and we're just trusting that the percentage of you that are armed and trained are going to protect the rest of us, then I feel like we're in a pretty bad spot. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it that way, absolutely. Because, I mean, you're talking about the individuals who, I mean, yeah, they don't care. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, if they cared, they would not be, they would not allow, I mean, the, my thing, it always comes back to the youth and the, the kids that are marching and going out of school. I mean, that's really, I mean, veterans are one thing, but the youth is like where you're really going to affect change and for a greater, you know, longevity of life in our country and the future is youth you know? and my biggest fear is that they don't want to be in charge of themselves it's like that is what i'm watching i'm watching more and more the generations beneath us wanting to hand over power and safety and protection and even down to what they don't they there's just there's no responsibility they don't want they they don't want the responsibility to take care you know, of themselves yeah. and be in charge they want us they want to say you you're in charge of it and then gripe about them being in charge of it. Like, yeah. It's, it's entitlement. It's an entitlement thing. Yeah. And that's kind of what it all comes down to. So then it's like, well, they, you know, if it comes down to, okay, yes, we want to we want to eliminate these specific types of weapons because these are what killed people. What do you have to say about the guns? I, I like the clip of, uh, what was it, American Dad, where the, his, like, hippie daughter, and he, like, pulls out his sidearm and, like, sits in, and he's like, okay, kill her. Kill her. Kill his her. gun. He's talking to he's his gun. He's talking to his gun, yeah. And he's like, yeah, your argument is invalid. And that's and that's what it comes down to. And if, and the thing is, is like, say you ban guns, right? No more. There's no more guns. Guess what? So now you've just taken the guns away from, like, the... Law-abiding citizens. The law-abiding citizens. Like, you're not going to... Like, the, the little stickers on the door of the movie theater says, no concealed carry allowed. Like, that, that only keeps law-abiding... Like, criminals don't follow your rules. So, like, if you say, okay... There's no more guns. You're not allowed to have guns. Criminals, the people that are going to do bad stuff, don't care. They don't follow your rules. So why is it going to, like, what do you think you're going to achieve other than just taking people that are law-abiding citizens, that are responsible voting citizens, and disarming them? You're not going to disarm criminals. That ain't going to happen. Right. So this is what I want to say, and I'll even say it to the camera because I've had so many people saying this to me today. Like, so you're saying you would say to the families that this happened to that, that the guns didn't kill their children, and you think that those guns that killed their children should still be allowed. And I want to say, like, very specifically, like those deaths were horrific and tragic, and I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like the absolute worst of the worst. And I'm so sorry that that happened to you. But that person was a deranged, hateful being. And those people aren't going to go away if we ban assault rifles. 
Huh. They'll find bombs. They'll make bombs. They'll create things to hurt people because that's what people that are deranged do. Right. So I'm just stating that I don't believe that specifically by disarming our country that that's going to change a deranged person from coming up with a way to murder people. No. It just won't. The latest Fox News poll found overwhelming support for specific gun control measures, including 91% of voters who are in favor of universal background checks on all gun buyers, 72% support raising the minimum age to buy a gun to 21, and 60% favor banning assault rifles and semi-automatic weapons. When the motion is adopted with Congress did include several reforms in its $1.3 trillion spending bill last week, strengthening background checks and providing funding for school safety measures. But activists argue those those measures aren't enough, and Democrats are hoping that frustration will help them in November. Like they're talking about moving the minimum age for kids to purchase firearms, specific firearms. And tell me what you thought about that, because we talked about okay, military they get them at age. Yeah. So my per this is this is my personal opinion. My personal opinion is an 18-year-old civilian that really doesn't have the business of having an AR. I know I'm gonna like everybody's gonna lose their mind, right? But the fact is, unless at 18 you're just at this day and age. Now, 50 years ago, like not not really kind of different, you know what I mean? But in this day and age, because of the way parents are, the way society is, you know, an 18 year old, for the most part, an 18 year old untrained, an 18 year old is just not uh, mature enough, in my opinion. In my opinion, to have own that sort of thing, you know, own an AR. Now, if an 18-year-old goes in the military, I have no problem with it because I I know what go, what that person goes through. I mean, you spend weeks and weeks, especially in the Marine Corps. I mean, you spend two weeks doing nothing but shooting. The drill shooters don't even really bother you. You just spend two weeks at the range learning safety. I mean, and they hammer safety. And responsible and, and being responsible and how to effectively use that weapon. I mean, if you even take that weapon on the range and you like you try to fly anything, they are all over you. So there's a difference in than an 18 year old that's just running around, you know, North Carolina with an AR, or an 18 year old man that's that joined the military that's getting the training from, you know, people that have been doing this for years and years and years and years. Um, so private citizens as a whole, I, I you mean, wouldn't have an issue with them. No, if they said, if they said, listen, you're not get, you can get that, you can get this, you can get a hunting rifle, you can get, which is, I mean, just as much more dangerous. I, I think the last time I, I saw the report that the, the 22 caliber has killed more people in the world than any other, any other firearm, you know, so it's just as much dangerous. But the thing is, it's just the mentality of, you know, being responsible and being mature enough to, to own and operate something like that or to drink right so it's the same thing it's like you know like why why can't you drink it at, at 18 or 21 in, in this country now it's different in different countries um you know like our, my family in greece they were drinking very young but they're responsible it's different they don't put stigmas on it you know american culture is like party 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 you know over overdo it but if but again if you take that away right if you can't drink at 21 and you drop it down and it's, now it's no longer a law. Is it really that like big of a deal? Would kids chill would out. kids chill out? Would they grow up thinking it's been being more responsible? I think so. You know, 
But unfortunately, it's not the country we live in. It's not the world we live in here. So I think the biggest thing I kind of wanted to leave everybody with as well, I don't know what you think about it, but I want to know, and I mean, we can look it up right now, what the stats are for how many guns have saved people. Because we're talking about guns killing people. So at what point are we no, talking that's, about? That, probably, that stat is probably not even out there because how much of that stuff even gets pr promoted or reported or anything like that. Yeah. But like honestly, how many concealed, how many concealed carry people? I mean, that's what, that's what I always go to. I always think like, okay, so we have, um, okay, so we have an incident that happens, right? Um, if I was there being, being concealed carry, you know, permanent holder, um, that would have been over, over really fast, right? Like any incident that that I would be in around, and that's the reason why I carry, is to protect myself and the ones around me. Um, there are evil people in the world, and when something like that happens, if there's just one person, just one person that would have been there, that would have been licensed to conceal and and been trained, I mean, think about how many lives they would have saved. And I mean, you look at like other countries like Israel, you know, they don't play around. It's a cultural thing to protect their country and protect, you know, their families. And typically when you're, you know, like the women are taking their kids to school, like nobody bothers them because they know if you try to do something, you're going to get shot. Right. Right. You know, but we don't have, we don't, everybody's, everybody's a unique butterfly and they all have their rights. And, right. You know, so. I just, to me, it's it's just, it blows my mind that the whole craziness with gun control is really just about taking it away from law-abiding citizens. I mean, that's what's essentially, I mean, that's what they're marching for. The, the, the result of all of this, five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road, the result of all of this is not, you're not going to end violence. You're not going to end bad guys. You're you're not going to end shooting hatred. deaths and hatred and and racism mental and, and mental illness. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna end any of that. The only thing that you're gonna do is make people more vulnerable to be victims. And then what are we gonna march for? Here's a thought. Here here here's a thought. What if the government started to offer training to private civilians? What if what about that? What about what if we able to put a program in place to where we could train? and educate American citizens on how to protect themselves, both lethal and non-lethal. I know, I wonder at what point the country would have to get to for that to become an option. Like, at what point would we, like, what Do danger? they accept that our citizens are really the ones that are in charge of our security? Right, well, I can say from experience, I've been held up at gunpoint twice, because Kansas City's kind of a, Yeah. that's how they roll. Neither time was it by a law-abiding citizen. They were just in dudes with masks, and they came in and, and held guns up at our heads. Had we have anyone in our store that we were in had any kind of training or any kind of just even like de-escalation tactic training, something to where we could have just dealt with the matter like before. We all just laid on the floor while they took all of our shit and left. Yeah. That's typically the way that it goes. Should somebody have gotten shot? No. But what could have happened had anybody had any idea what to do in that situation?
they wouldn't have taken off with all of our shit. Well, and the thing is, if you put, like I said, you put one person there, and I hate to say, like, you know, human life is valuable, and, you know, I value human life, and I don't think anybody, well, that's not true. Some people should go away, but. But your um, kids shouldn't deserve his eye over 700 bucks. No, absolutely right. not. And the thing is, is, like, at what point do training and, and that sort of thing, you start putting, so, say I was there, right? Somebody draws a gun, I see this going down. I'm not asking questions. Some dudes in masks trying to rob people and they've got guns. I don't know what their intent is. They Literally might, holding they, the girls. They might, they might rob the whole thing and then off everybody. That's as far as, as far as what I'm thinking, that's what the course of action could be, you know? So they're going to go, they're getting put down, you know? Now, if, if more things happen like that, right? If more law-abiding citizens took the responsibility of America's safety and the ones around us' safety, and that sort of thing started happening. Like if you'd messed around, if you were deranged and you tried to rob something or you tried to hurt somebody, you tried to shoot up a school and you got dealt with. I think the individuals that would try, that would try to do stuff like that would start getting minimal because they know if I try to mess around and do something, someone's going to pop me. It's not worth it. It's, it's not, not worth it to me to come in. I mean, that's what happened. Essentially, they beat one of the girls that I worked with, like beat her up through on the ground for like next to no money. So then we're all calling the cops, but what they're like 10 minutes down the road. So, I mean, and then they're gone. So then they're chasing somebody, you know, and, and no one had any defense against the situation. We're yeah. all like, they've got a gun. They beat her ass. She's on the ground. Like, at what point are we all just letting things like that happen? Yeah, I think that's the biggest problem. Is like goes back to the march what you were saying before. Is like you're just handing things over. At what point do you take personal responsibility? And that's For what's your great. Your life and your own. Yeah, and that's what's life. and that's what's that's like the foundation of the you know our constitution. And everything is being in control. One being in control, having a voting system, being in control, being a democracy, being in control of the government, and then it's. And then being having the power to self-govern and, and govern um, our safety and our family's safety and have opportunities that the, the rest of the world does not have. And all I see is basically individuals like giving up that right. The right? biggest thing is like you are you're taking away your own your own authority in a situation and your own you're giving like you're becoming passive in a situation where it is not just you say it's your family so you're supposed to wait in a situation where somebody is trying to harm you you're supposed to wait or hope that someone sees or hears what's happening to you before so it's like saying that to in that situation where you to the families of the sandy hook you you're saying that guns didn't kill their children well no but also a gun took out the guy that did that to their children and it's like so at what point are guns keeping people safe and people private citizens allowed to keep themselves safe at what point are we getting rid of that ability in order to make everyone feel safe because no one around them seemingly might not have a gun or that's what I'm lost about because it's like at what point am I out with kids and I can't protect them and if something happens I'm just hoping that someone sees it and that someone, I have some way to alarm someone that in a... In a no, that's, that's, not, that's not happening. Like, we, we have seen, I mean, the average response time is like 12 minutes. And then, so the average response time is 12 minutes for shooting like that.
um, both in malls, the schools, everything that's happened, I think has been around 12 minutes, the last report that I read. And most incidences are over in two. So that's a long time between for something to happen. And essentially you're calling the cops to get them to come and clean up the mess, clean up the mess yeah, or basically. do justice and find the person so that if they have already killed you or your loved ones that then afterwards we can hold them accountable for it. It's not stopping anything from happening. No, you're just giving up. And then what I was basically getting to before is like you're, you're putting your responsibility off on somebody else. And then what you're doing is you're just shifting blame. You're blaming somebody else for for the situation that happened to you instead of taking ownership of it and then being in control of your bubble, being, being in control of your life. You're just like, it's, and that's what this is. That's what kind of like where our society is going these days is, is we don't have a, uh, there's no accountability for individual, like it's everyone else's fault. Like you're like, everyone's a victim of their circumstance. Right. Nobody takes ownership of what's going on around them. Like, you know, and that's in everything, job and life and kids and everything. Nobody, nobody takes ownership of like, like even, I mean, I take ownership every day of stuff that gets messed up that I had nothing to do with, but I, I take it on as my fault and I own it and then move forward, you know, but there, that's getting few and few, few and far between. It's where now, even with this thing, it's like, it's the governments and the police and everybody else's responsibility for my safety. So if something happens, happens to me, it's not even that guy's fault that he did it to me. It's, it was the gun's fault. It was the gun's fault, or it was the society. It was like the legislation's know, fault. It was the government's fault that you know President Trump didn't come down and personally save me from this this evildoer. Okay, so if we want to look at that, then like, whose fault is it for like all the guys that have died overseas? Is it the government's fault? Is it like is it a gun's fault? Is it a bomb's fault? Like whose whose fault God's is it? Fault. Yeah, yeah, is it God's fault? Like, at what point do we take ownership of this right here? And, and then, the people around us that we yeah. love. That's, that's, that's where, that's where and I... And that's where it gets into it for me, too. Yeah, yeah. I fucking want guns in every single one of the kids' schools. A teacher or a case officer or a... What are they called? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to march against that, and let's march against the other side of it and say, like, okay, well, let's arm, let's arm, the, let's arm law-abiding citizens. To where every time somebody even thinks about doing something wrong, it's done. And the more that happens, the more you go the other direction to where anybody even thinks about being crazy, it's game over for them. Probably a really safe America. Right. You know. So, anyways, what do you guys think? What do you, what do you think? Drop us a comment. Let us know what your thoughts are. Are we on my way off base here? Train, uh, on, train, on. train. I think you got to remind everybody that. I mean, the thing is, is like, you have to take ownership. If you're want, if you're wanting to, you know, if you want to protect yourself and carry, then you need to, you need to train, you need to be responsible, you need to be mature. You know, we have checks and balances in place already. I don't know. It's, it's your own stuff, man. Like, don't allow yourself to be a victim or put your trust in someone else. That to me is crazy. Yeah. That is, absolute, that is the most craziest thing to me. So anyways, what do you guys think? Where are we going with all this?
So the next part of this morning is something I've been, to say the least, looking forward to greatly since the first day when I first learned who this keynote, excuse me, who this year's keynote speaker would be. And the reason for that is it's just somebody who speaks to something that I'm extremely connected to and extremely emotional about. Twelve years in the Marine Corps. MARSOC, Marine Recon, several combat deployments, and that was really him just getting started. As he got out and he figured out his own transition, he became founder and CEO of Alexander Industries, and then he started the Raider Project as a way to help others like him figure out the best way to exit the military and move into the civilian world and discover themselves in the process. And not only that, he discovered himself. Since then, he has also started Robin Hood Pictures as a way to document and share some of these transition experiences. For myself, somebody who's actually transitioned out of the military on two occasions, the first of which didn't go so well and I ended up back in, I can speak to how difficult that time was and for me, how hard it was to kind of reinvent and figure myself out. I think I can speak for everybody in here when I say that when you meet a veteran, there's something special in that. You sort of immediately hold them in a little bit of a higher regard because of their service to this country. Today's keynote speaker is not just that. He's somebody who continued to serve and take care of those veterans as they transition into this new life. And there is something just absurdly special about that because it's hard enough just to worry about yourself, let alone take care of so many others. Ladies and gentlemen, today's keynote speaker, Nick Kumalatsos. Um, so last night, Tyler said that uh, the best keynote speaker ever was Colonel Dave Grossman, and that I had to follow him up. I'm going to tell you right now that that is not what's going to happen. Uh, no way, shape, or form. Um, real quick, I'm curious, how many people uh, support law enforcement are in here in some way, shape, or form, uh, law, law enforcement? I really, and okay, uh, firefighters. Come on, like, we have bad shoulder mobility in here? What's going on here? <laughs> and then military. And what have I missed? Which is? Just, just you. Okay. Is there another, is there, in the TSAC, I'm, just, I'm curious, is there another you know, modality that I'm missing? Is that mainly the big three? Okay, cool. I'm just curious because obviously I'm coming from a military, a military background. Uh, I served, as he said, 12 years in, in the uh, Marine Corps, and then, absolutely, we've got a couple of my brothers in here, there's Tony Morrow, um, and of course, Josh, which you guys will see a lot more about here in a second. Um, sorry, Josh. 
but this talk, you know, when they asked me to come up here and talk, I really wanted, I was like, I came, we came here, my first year here was last year, and I really wanted to connect the dots between the end user, who you guys support, and who's a lot of you, how many of former military that are now supporting military law enforcement, or former law enforcement, former firefighters that are now doing the job um, to take care of those individuals? There's quite a bit, and there's a reason, there's a reason why for that. Um, but I wanted to give a discussion about heroes and w how you guys and guys like me, or I, what I used to be, connect. Um, so to do that, we're going to tell a story. And a lot of that's my story, some of that's is Josh's story, and then, and then I'm basically going to generalize and just... It's, it's all going to turn into one story because there's a trend when it comes to all of us. Um, and it goes right back into law enforcement firefighters as well. All right. So um, where's the little clicker? Ah. So this was me. This was, uh, this was my last deployment in Afghanistan with a bunch of amazing dudes. I think that, uh, that picture's been all over the Internet forever. Um, but I served... Uh, 12 years in the Marine Corps, half of that was with uh, reconnaissance, and my last half was spent in Marine Special Operations Command, um, did a bunch of deployments, it was super fun, and then I found myself uh, out of the military and kind of lost, and, and that's kind of a trend amongst a lot of people, but we had to, you know, I had to navigate that. So that was, that was me, I was supposed, that was the day I was supposed to die. Uh, we were going to do something really dumb, and as luck would have it, I'm standing right here. So that's, this picture to me is just so funny because here a couple dudes are just standing and smiling when they know that, or they think, they were about to eat it. Josh was there as well. Um, but that's, really, that, that picture right there is what I would say the last picture of my career. That was, that was it. After that, I got out. But to really understand all of this, we have to go back here. <laughs> How many women's uh, baby clock just started ticking? I know Ms. Cappers did. Um, so that's, that's me. And uh, yeah, just a little, little baby. Um, and I lived a very interesting childhood. Uh, my mom and dad split when I was very young. And I was raised by my mother who I guess what I would call a, a, a traveling gypsy. Uh, growing up, I thought that we were actually running from the, the law. We moved so much. I moved about every six months. I'd wake up, and I'd be in a car and be like, I'm like, what's happening, Mom? Oh, we're moving. I'm like, okay, let's do it. We're going. Um, but that was, that was my life with me and my little brother. We were absolutely wild. Uh, we did not live a normal life. We didn't really grow up in a suburb. I grew up basically living out of the back of a Toyota Corolla and different houses and different schools and on islands. And I mean, it was, it was very bizarre, which I hated. Allie, what the heck? Jesus. That's, no, that's me. That's me training to be a Marine. <laughs> um, let me check out those shorts. Who owned, who owned a pair of shorts like that? <laughs> they were style back then. But I, that was me, completely wide open all the time. And um, I actually, I loved it. Other than the moving schools is the only part that I didn't like. Uh, I absolutely loved my childhood because it was just wild. 
100% of the time. Um, who in here, I'm 36 years old, who in here has children my age? There's, I'm 36, so who in here could be, could be my dad? There's got to be somebody. I know there's somebody in here. Yeah, there we go. Why did you do this to your children? <laughs> so because of this abuse, because of this abuse, I decided, okay, Nick, it's time to take matters into your own hands, no longer be a victim. And I started to hit the gym. I was like, I'm going to put on some weight. So I hit the gym, and I put on some muscle. And... Uh, I was going to protect myself and not allow that weird bear to touch me anymore. Um, so obviously this didn't work, and I needed, to, I needed to gain a little bit more weight. So I started drinking uh, who did the, a GoMad gallon of milk a day. You guys remember that? Is that still a thing? That's horrible. I hope nobody's doing that. And then I gained some more weight. I think it's about three pounds heavier right there. <laughs> So uh, this was about the time that I decided I was going to join the Marine Corps, and through that, through that growing up, I actually, at 13, I ended up with two felonies. I grew up in Panama City, Florida. Um, so through that gypsy childhood, uh, puberty kicked in, and uh, as you guys probably know, if you have boys, that's an interesting time. And uh, so two felonies later... And then I decided to join the Marine Corps, and they were like, kid, you're crazy. You're a convicted felon, and you didn't graduate high school, and you should go do something else, which was the absolute worst thing that they could have told me, because then I spent, that was, became my entire mission, was to join the Marine Corps. And uh, so I did. So after, that's me at a, I went in at 100, about 175, and that's me at 142 pounds. Yeah, joining, uh, actually, you know, irony. I spent two and a half years trying to get in the Marine Corps. On day seven, I broke my wrist and ended up in boot camp for five and a half months. But I made the best of it and ended up graduating company honor grad. Um, I mean, it was almost by default because I'd been there so long. It wasn't even really fair. Um, but after a short time in the Marine Corps, I found these guys. Tony, you recognize that, don't you? So I found, I found these guys. I went to ARS and became a reconnaissance marine. And then I got to do fun stuff like this. Oh, no, that's not, that's not it. Sorry. This. That's what it was. Um, so I, get to, I got to do fun stuff like this, and, and it, it was awesome. This was in Iraq. This was, uh, I was supposed to be watching a meeting take place between, like, 40 al-Qaeda people, but it was actually 40 kids showed up to play a soccer game. So that was an interesting 24 hours in a, in a house by myself. Um, and then this with these guys, this is, this is some of the best times and worst times of my life. All Iraq. And then I went to Marsoc and uh, got to grow a beard, which apparently never, never left. Um, had that time. was awesome with these great guys. And this is who I was. This, is, this, was, this was Nick. This is everything that I had, I had worked to become. This is everything that I wanted to do. This is everything I wanted to be, right? Nick was an operator. I was this person. When I wasn't doing this, I was training to be this. When I wasn't training to be this, I was looking for gear to be this. This was my whole world. How many people can relate with that? Uh, same with law enforcement, right? If you're, if you're a law enforcement officer, is that just a job or is that who you are? 
If you're a firefighter, is that just the job, or is that that it's part of your identity? And it was a amazing, amazing time. So let's get back to the heroes. All right, we all look at these guys, right? Now, take this is not my story. These are just pictures. Anybody that's who served, who's actually served, it's a good number of hands. Thank you for your service. Who looks at these guys, those pictures that I just showed you, and go, these guys are American heroes. These guys are out there doing the job and sacrificing their life. Who, I mean, can we all agree on that? Yep. Okay. You guys know who that is? Kyle Carpenter. American hero, correct? Absolutely. They got kids a badass. Another Marine. You guys know who he is? Who knows that crazy fool? That's Derek Carver. Miss Capper actually took that photo. Um, amazing guy. Do you consider, would you guys consider him an American hero? Yep. And then Mr. Weta, the other Derek. He's, he's uh, a couple screws loose still. <laughs> Another great guy. And then last, last year's keynote speaker, Leroy Petrie. Awesome guy. Another American hero. That job is an immensely, immensely tough job. Would you agree? Yes, you, you agree. It is, um, as I said, it's, it's an identity thing. It's not something you go do nine to five. It's something you train for, you sleep for, you dream about, you do all the time. And because if you don't, you are, could get hurt. Somebody else can get hurt. It is all the time, 24-7, all right? Me personally, the guys that I worked with, we loved it. Loved it. It was not something super special to us. Didn't feel special. We just felt like dudes doing a job that we loved. We got to ride around on motorcycles in Afghanistan carrying guns, you know, riding out of the back of helicopters on a motorcycle in some crazy, crazy place. Like, they make movies about it. It's awesome. What's not awesome is the toll that it takes on you. And we don't really, I did not really realize that during. In 2009, I stopped sleeping. I didn't start sleeping again until 2014. Those of you have heard, is Jeff here, Jeff Nichols? He will be. Um... If you've heard him talk, he's told a very similar story. Uh, I want to share a little bit of a story here. It was, I think, the third jump of the day. Um, and uh, we were in these little, real tiny planes uh, that we were jumping on, basically like little Cessnas. Um, so the back door is like a reverse clamshell. So when the door opens, when the rear ramp opens, uh, the ceiling level ends up being, you know, farther out than the, than the floor. Um, decently turbulent on that day when I was doing the jump. I was one man out the door in the stick, which just means you're 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 the first guy that jumps um, in your group of guys that are jumping. Uh, so green light goes. Um, jump master says go. I go to jump out the door. And pretty much instantaneously, as soon as I jumped out the door, I got flipped upside down in the plane, bounced off the roof. Um, 
I had a cord of some sort wrapped around my neck, and then there was another one that was wrapped around uh, my left leg. The one that was around my left leg, it snapped my femur in half, you know, shot it out the back of my leg, so basically being a compound femur fracture. As I woke up to the jolting of my chute, fully, you know, expanding and gaining lift. Is there any trauma counselors in here? You might need to see Josh later after that. <laughs> so that happened uh, shortly after our, our deployment. And um, he spent the next, was it two years, Josh? Two and a half, just over there, through going through recovery um, and working with your guys' counterparts. Um, that's him in the bed out in California. Um, and then that is Mr. Chase working on him. And there's his family. Now, I remember verbatim him being in a wheelchair, and we were putting, he'd had this grand idea. He was in a wheelchair, and he had this grand idea that he was going to go to Costco and buy an entire freaking castle and then put it together for his daughter's play because he was in a wheelchair, and his daughters are very active and everything. Um, but he's in a wheelchair. How is he going to build this castle? Well, that's where we came into play. And uh, this thing was huge, and it took us, what, two days? Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> but I distinctly remember that he said, he said, Nick, all I want to do, like he had slowly shifted, right? Like his, here he was at the top of his game. We had just gotten back from Afghanistan on what I would consider the most awesome deployment ever. And that happens. By the way, that's a plug for a movie we're launching on April, no, May 24th on Amazon. So you'll get to see the rest of that story if you so choose. Um, but he said, I'll, all I want to do is be able to run and play with my daughters, who at the time were like two and six or something like that. One and three? No. Come on, Josh. No way, man. Oh, no, you're right. Four. Two and five, something like that. We're close. Look, man, I've been blown up and thrown all over the place. Yeah, you know, it's a bracket. So he says, all I want to do is be able to run and play with these guys. And at the time, he's in a wheelchair, and the docs are saying, bro, you're, like, done. You're going to be walking with a cane. Running? Not happening. 100% not happening. Um, like, cane walking? Sure. That, 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 that could happen. But, but your career is done. Your running, your athletic ability career is done. Um, and, of course, these are like the surgeon. These are, not, these are not you guys. These are the other people out there that we have the tug of war with a lot, probably. Um, and then... He did. He pushed after two and a half years. And I remember just the other day he posted on Instagram. They were, he lives in Hawaii, and they're running through Hawaii. And I'm watching this video of him chasing his girls. And I'm like, he did it. He's got 17-inch rod going through his femur. Uh, his shoulder's been rebuilt. He's had multiple surgeries on his knee. I mean, anybody else would be like, oh, man, I'm a, my knee hurts, my back hurts, my shoulder hurts. Leg hurts, but he did it, and how he did it 
was because of people like you in this room. Without people like you in this room, he wouldn't have got his wish to be able to run and play with his daughters. And I I feel sometimes that there's a disconnect between what your purpose and what you do and the impact that you make on people's lives and what the end user is. And being doing what I do now with the Raider Project and helping veterans transition and helping them be successful, I see a lot of the bad. I see the snowball effect. If there wasn't people like you, my best friend, Josh, probably wouldn't have been standing in this photo because it's a snowball effect. What if he didn't get off the couch and didn't get out of the wheelchair? So here he goes from being this awesome person doing what we did. Okay, now the pain... The, the no mobility, when does, pain, when does pain pills count? I mean, how easy, easy is it for a vet to get, or a law enforcement a guy to get pain pills? It's, it's, it's the opposite of, of hard. It's not even easy. They just give them to you. Like, I have to, like, push them away from my, from my issues. They're constantly pushing pain pills. And I'm sure all of you know the exact same thing that I'm talking about. It's, it's a deal, thing that we deal with. Um, so how easy is it to just start collecting pain pills and then start hitting the bottle and then what comes after that? There would be a picture of the three of them with my, minus Josh. But because of people like you in this room, you kept this family together. So what I want to talk about is the unseen heroes. Kyle Carpenter, Dakota Meyer, Derek Carver, Derek Wieda, Leroy Petrie. How many of those individuals, all those individuals had what? Care, right? Some had soft care, some had Bethesda, you know, whatever. But they had nurses, they had physical therapists, they had sports, they had uh, strength conditioning coaches that worked with them for years. I bet you, well, I don't have to bet you, the ones that I know, I ask, their heroes are people like this. Who know these guys? Vernon, who's actually speaking here, and who I cannot wait to heckle while he's talking. No, I'm looking forward to hear him. Looking forward to him to hear him speech. And Ollie over VHV, they run a they run a mission called No Fail, where they take veterans who have been wounded, gravely wounded, and they rehabilitate them so that they have so they can walk and run and play with their kids. They both did military service, but I feel like. The reasons why they're heroes is because of what they're doing now. Because if you ask them, hey, you're a hero because you served, do you think that they would say, yeah, I am? It's just a job, man. So the reasons why I told you my story about all the things that I did, I do not feel like I'm a hero at all whatsoever. I'm just a dude that did a job. But I'm a dude that has a mom, who has a dad, who has a brother and a sister, now has a family has a wonderful girlfriend who has kids that I want to live my life now. Josh has beautiful daughters and a wife that he wants to live his life. We're just people. We're just people that did a job. But we want to continue to live that life with the people that we love. So these guys are making that happen. (laughs) This is our yoga man, Sean Severo. He was also a Marine. He works with the Raider Project, and we force people to, uh, to get weird. I was talking to, uh, who was it? 
Um, Nate, were we talking about this morning? Yeah. So we were talking about it this morning that we basically, we do these retreats where we take guys out there and we basically force them to meditate in the morning. We do meditation in the morning and then we do yoga in the afternoon and in the middle of the day we do a bunch of other fun stuff. But, so he works with a, a nonprofit organization that goes to San Quentin and does yoga and meditation in San Quentin for veterans that are serving life sentences to give them just an ounce in us when we do the, the, the Raider Park stuff, but just to give them an ounce of peace, to give them whatever quality of life that they can give, they can get. And then he comes with us and then deals with our t- macho, tough guys not wanting to do meditation and yoga, but he gets them every single time. Um, you guys know this guy? So he's, him and I had a very similar transition out of the military. Um, and we met actually the same time that we got out. Was, and we just kind of hit it off because, because of that, those situations. Um, and now he's taking the knowledge that he has gone through his transition um, through being a Navy SEAL and working with individuals so they don't get to the place that we were after 12 years of service, which is what all you guys are trying to do, right? We're trying, you're, the goal is here in this week is to empower, motivate, inspire all of us and remind us why we do the job that we do. This is Trevor Petro. Who knows this guy? Anybody? I think he's like one of the best, uh, or one of the top physical therapists in the Navy. Um, he worked on me when I got back from Afghanistan, worked with me, taught me how to do pain management, stay off, stay off drugs. Um, Josh can basically owes him his entire life. Uh, same with this guy, Mason. Um, he was our strength conditioning coach at Marsoc while we were there. And he did a very good job. Really quick story I told Nate this, this morning. We came back, fired up. You know, post-deployment, you've still got a lot of gasoline in the tank, if, if I'll put it to you that way. And then this is when the Perez program, the POTA program, had just, that, just been established. And uh, they had this nice gym. We walk in there, and we're like, oh, this is a nice gym. Oh, you have to do your workout? No, bro, I've been in 12 years, man. I've been training for two decades. Like, I've, I got it. Can I work out here or not? Otherwise, I'm going to go down the street. He's like, oh, no, come on in. I'm just going to be over at my desk. You guys need me. And then about two weeks, we were completely doing his strength conditioning program. And my hips felt better. My lower back felt better. had more shoulder mobility. Um, but he, he probably was one of the smartest way I've ever seen it done. He just slowly just he pulled asymmetrical warfare on us and just snuck right in. We didn't even see it happening. Um, but... I know Josh does, and I owe a lot to him as well. Uh, this guy, he's, the, he's another physical therapist that Marsoc is still actually actively serving there. Um, that, he was the guy that was working on his leg. Trevor Petro and both him is the one that worked on me for pain management when I got back from Afghanistan. And a lot of those practices I still use today. Um, who knows that guy? <laughs> so he's working with 10 Special Forces Group, doing the same thing, ensuring his guys don't end up in a bad way. So me standing up here, because I'm just a dude that did a job that I wanted to do. I volunteered for it multiple times and went through stupid, stupid selection processes to do it. That's because I wanted to do it. These are the guys that were my heroes and that are Josh's heroes. Because now, 
I can go ride bikes for 20K on the 20K bike ride on the beach with my girlfriend and my best friend. I can go do Defy Gravity, Defy Gravity with my daughters. Josh can do all kinds of crazy stuff more than me because of all of you in the room. And I don't think you guys realize the impact and the second and third order effects that you have on individuals' lives. It is absolutely crucial that we have you in our lives and that you are here doing what you're doing. And then this guy who's running the whole thing, who also happened to be serve and do his thing as well. And now he has dedicated his life to do the exact same thing because he's been there himself. Good job, man. A hero, a person who is admired or idealized for courage, outstanding achievements are noble qualities. What you guys do is noble qualities. So in my mind, you are the heroes because you are keeping our way of life going and keeping our quality of life post-service, even post-service, where it should be. And then there's a lot of them that are just submarine sandwiches, and we know who those are. <laughs> and then let's go get Jack Tanner ripped. The one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to take the first, the biggest TSAC NSCA selfie that there is. Can everybody stand up? I've been sitting way too long. Need to start moving around. All right, here we go. And one, two, three. Guys, thank you so much. Have a great week. It's been awesome. My pleasure. Okay, what's up guys? So, I got a little heated the other day. I was a little upset and I wanted to share my thoughts with you. And it's really about the bare minimum or doing the bare minimum. So we have an ad that a lot of you guys have probably seen for USMC Prep. Um, it was basically a little short, really intense motivating thing about you know going through boot camp and then it says are you prepared at the end So we've ran this ad on Facebook and on YouTube, um, and it's done well. It's done well. It's done well to drive a lot of traffic to the USMC Prep program. It hasn't done as well as I'd like because I still get DMs on Instagram and Facebook asking what they should do for boot camp, and I was like, we literally wrote a book about it. So we're not touching all of the audience. We're not touching everyone out there yet, but we're trying. And the only way to do that is through advertising. So of course, through advertising, you get more viz on than what my followers are, my subscribers are. Get people out of my circle, which is what I want. But with that, of course, comes criticism. 
and it frustrates me when I see criticism that is just blatantly lazy. And it's just blatantly telling individuals to do the bare minimum. I'm gonna read you some of these. Don't do this, you'll just waste your money. I've seen the most unfit people go through and make it fine. Just IT yourself for an hour three times a day, you'll be good. Because that's thought out strength conditioning programming. That's how athletes do it, by the way. They just, three times a day for an hour. Just run every day, future devil. Twice a day if you can, sprints also help. It's literally easy as fuck. Just do whatever you're told when you're told. Physical aspect is easy too. I've seen fat mofos graduate, so you are good. I like the idea, but it's just unnecessary. 75% of us that went through already maxed out on all of that without this special training. So does everyone need a program to go to boot camp? Absolutely not. Okay, if you want to go into the military and just make it through, then don't buy it. But if you wanna do something more, if you wanna be something more, then you have to apply yourself. And maybe it's not the program, but it's the mentality of learning and training and making yourself better. If you go in, if you start out at, your, at whatever age you are, at any age in life, if you are going through life doing the bare minimum, that is what you're gonna get in return. You are going to get the bare minimum return of life. And that's not the way I live my life. And that's not the way that the people I surround myself live their life. The bare minimum is just that, minimum. And I wanna maximize my return on everything. I wanna maximize my, my return on business. I wanna maximize my return on relationships. I wanna maximize my return on physical fitness. What do I have to do to get the most out of everything? And we have this systemic problem in this generation to where we're not applying ourselves and we're trying to figure out tricks and tips and whatever we can do to, to trick the system and to do the bare minimum. That is disgusting to me. And unfortunately, a lot of this some of those are actual Marines. And I was in the Marine Corps for 12 years. I was a staff and CO, I was a platoon sergeant, I was a team leader, I did a bunch of different things. And you know what? I saw those type of Marines and they are the bare minimum type of Marines. So if you're joining any job or joining any branch of service and that's your mentality, then that's what you're gonna get. I have drill instructors reaching out to me saying that they have recruits in recruit training right now that can't even meet the initial standards. And when it come final PFT times, they're having guys having a hard time. We had one or two of these, when I went to basic training in 2000, but now it's starting to be the majority. And that's not from my word, that's from drill instructors and senior drill instructors commenting and telling me, hey, this is a problem. I have recruiters contacting me wanting to purchase the book for their pulleys because they can't get guys to lose weight, they can't get guys to meet the initial standards because they've been doing the bare minimum to just exist. They're overeating, they're not training, they're not being active, and then all of a sudden they wanna join the military and they have a problem. We're trying to solve that problem. We're trying to help individuals. But doing the bare minimum is never the answer. So the biggest question is gonna be, I get hit up all the time, like what should I do, what should I do? The biggest question is, what do you want out of your life? Do you want the bare minimum? If you do, then that's what you're gonna get. If you don't, if you wanna go recon, you wanna, you wanna go be a, a Marine Raider, you wanna be a Marine, you wanna do anything. You wanna be uh, the most successful businessman. You wanna be uh, an Olympic, you know, be an Olympic skier. 
Guess what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to apply yourself and you're gonna have to max out of every potential that your body and brain has. So it's all up to you and it's all what you want out of life. If you do the bare minimum, you're gonna get the bare minimum. You deserve absolutely everything that you work for and you're entitled to nothing. Never quit, never surrender, always forward. See you guys tomorrow for Tactical Tuesday.